This episode of the Rock and a Hard Place podcast is brought to you by Tweaked Audio at tweakedaudio.com. Loads of different styles and colors. Use the code HARDPLACE. That's tweakedaudio.com. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rock in a Hard Place podcast. My name is Chris. Uh, I sometimes DJ with Broken FM when I feel like doing it, and then uh, the other times I sit here and talk to strangers on the internet for a while. But no, I promise you, I am not a predator. Uh, Paul had to take the night off. (laughs) It's going to be one of those kind of shows, guys, just so you know. Paul had to take the night off. He got called in to uh, work at his Nashville radio station, so he is uh, he's either sleeping right now or heading into uh, to work, one of the two. But uh, because Paul is such a big personality, it took me uh, two folks to be able to fill in for him. One of them is our very own Captain Kirk, who you hear weekly on the other stuff when his hard drives haven't failed. So, <laughs> what up, uh, everybody? Welcome, Kirk. Good to have you tonight. And uh, we've also got with us Raven Hill's very own Josh Clifton, or Mercy Me, Depending on oh my God. if you listen to that episode that I did with David Curtis, <laughs> Josh wishes he was making Mercy Me money right now. I would take that Mercy Me money. I so badly just wanted to go interrupt you and go, and I'm Paul Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> like so badly. I listen to this podcast, so like yeah. I wanted you to go, and I'm Chris Cooner, and I thought about interrupting you and going, and I'm Paul Gibson in my best Paul Gibson <laughs> impersonation. Oh, that's and awesome. then I, I would talk like five minutes about the Christian Rock Twenty and right. And flounder tonight. Yeah, the yeah. Making, you know the ChristianRock20.com. Make sure you throw that in there. Vote weekly right. in the in the poll to see who's going to be number one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's <laughs> see. Speaking of websites, um, we have a website now. Uh, no way. Yeah, yeah. It's gnarly. I finally paid for hosting. Okay. And uh, I I I got a cool skin that I stole from. Another company that I may or may not work for. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I got a cool skin. If you go to rockandahardplacepodcast.com now, instead of pointing to Facebook, it points to our very own webpage. So uh, super excited about that. It took me most of the day to get it up and running. There are still lots of tweaks and things to, uh, oh, to shift cool. around on. Um, but uh, it is, it's a work in progress, but it's up and it's running and you can check it out and all the latest episodes will be there. And eventually I'll figure out how to be able to take these blabs and embed them in the website. So instead of you having to go to whatever the blab.im is, you'll be able to get it from the website instead. So that's all. So that's, that's rockinahardplace.com? Rockinahardplacepodcast. Ah, there it is. Yeah. So I like the uh, scrolling banners now. That's, you like that? That's new. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. I need a few more pictures, Kirk, so that I can have yes, more rotation. Hey, speaking of which, hey Josh, can I use some of the Raven Hill photos I took for the for the website? Yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> there you go. So there you go. All We're the conducting uh, business and putting a podcast out there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Multitasking. I'm taking care of kids. I mean, geez. Exactly. Yeah, I, 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 you're just you're the man. You who needs mercy me money when I, you're Josh Clifton? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, don't believe that at one hundred percent. Please, please go buy my record. Yeah, exactly. Soul. It's available now wherever good music is sold. A year. It's been out a year. You've had enough time. It's an awesome it's album. Good. Too. Buy it. Uh, it's worth best the album money. of twenty fifteen. It's worth the money. Oh uh, man, I think so. I mean, I, I I put a lot. I spent a lot of time with that record. <laughs> Completely unbiased opinion. Right. Right. Not biased at all. So <laughs> for me, it's unbiased. I I love it. Yeah. Well, so. I appreciate it, Kurt. You uh, <laughs> made my, you made the number one of my list. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah, all good stuff. So we've got a few things to chat about tonight, which uh, I'm kind of excited about. Kirk actually let me know that there is a uh, a little sample of Skillet's new music coming out. Josh, go ahead and plug your ears because uh, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this off their Facebook page uh, <laughs> so that you get a little snippet of of what they've posted is coming. Uh, on the new album, okay? And uh, Josh, you're not allowed to comment, just so you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to listen to So there you go. That is the sample that Skillet Music posted on their Facebook page. Uh, new record coming out this year, and uh, John says wear a helmet while listening. I'm I'm guessing Josh, you'd probably disagree with that statement. <laughs> no, I, I would argue that most people that listen to Skillet are are required to wear helmets. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce you to the devil's advocate tonight, Mr. Josh Clifton. <laughs> I know I'm talking. I know, I know that I am like in the minority. I know that. I know people love Skillet, and I saw one of my first concerts was seeing Skillet on their first record, like in in Southern Illinois, and they were awesome. They put on a great uh, live show. The little Christian band I I ran sound for played their first show in Conway, Arkansas, or played with Skillet on their first show, their first tour after being signed to their album. Wow! There were ten wow. people there. The other half, the ten, were the opening band. <laughs> uh, you've got a fan in the chat room, Josh. He's with you. Hey, all right. So I did. I, so so I'm not. I'm I'm not totally in the minority no, here. No, you're not in the minority. I I enjoy Skillet stuff. Can I say that like I'm absolutely passionate about it and would kill to to you know buy their album? No, I mean especially since I'll probably get it for free at some point in the very near future. Um, right. But uh, I, I saw that they played here in uh, Petaluma a couple of years ago, and it was a packed show. And it was honestly one of the best concerts that I've been to in a long time. Um, awesome. Just their stage presence. Um, they, they, they came in with their guys. They pulled out all of the Phoenix's gear. They took out all the speakers. They took out the soundboard. They took out all the monitors everything pulled it all stacked it all outside brought their own gear in banana stacks and everything got it all tweaked sounding good and then after the show they pulled all their stuff out and brought all the phoenix stuff back in and reconnected every last cable you are such a sound like audio guy oh, right now yes. like you sound so much <laughs> yes you said, ban- you said banana stacks well, not to be confused with the banana hammock. 
Okay. Big That's difference. That's a different podcast that we're talking about yes. doing. Yes. The Banana Hammock The Banana podcast. Hammock. There you go. There you oh, go. The, the original drummer for Skillet was my best friend's cabin counselor at church camp. Really? So I, I kind of got to know them a little bit, slightly, and I got to see them like one of their gimmicks back in the day was John would do a trombone solo halfway through the set. I, I remember that. Yeah. That's awesome. And he would sling his guitar around his bass around his neck. And, and, and that was when it was a three piece main or the trombone solos when they were up to a four piece. But um, wow. like, let me, uh, let me say this. Like there are plenty of bands out there that musically I just don't care for. And I tend to, I'm at an old enough age where I just kind of don't care to voice my opinion. Like what I think about them as, as far as musicians or, or when they come together and make music, but, I will tell you that I pro- if I met them, there are plenty of bands that I hate their music. I met them, and all of a sudden, I love their music because I love them as people. Right. If I, it, yeah. I, it would just kill me to know that, like, oh, man, Skillet was thinking about having you guys on tour, but then he heard that you absolutely hate his music. <laughs> I'm like, well, that serves me right for opening my big mouth. But so. honestly, there is, um, I mean, there is so much music to choose from out there that not everything is for everyone. So, I mean, even oh, as an sure. artist yourself, Josh, if somebody meets you and they find out what band you're in and they listen to, to your music and they're like, you know, that's just not really for me. You're not going to hold it against that person because stylistically it, no, it's, no, it's no. not the same. I mean, it's just it, it's art that doesn't hit them. I, I've said this to people before, man, if 1% of the population of the United, uh, the United States loved my, like loved my band. Yeah. I could, and, and enough to buy the record. I don't have to do anything else. And, and like, I don't have to have a part-time job. I don't have to, I can focus on making music. Right. And, and if you look at it that way, I believe that like maybe more than 1%, maybe 2% people would like Ravenhill if they got the chance to listen to it. Right. But, uh, um, but it's all that to it. say, like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't try to, I'm not, I know that Ravenhill is not for everyone. It's getting I it to rise above the noise. Is. I mean, that's the big thing. Cause there's right. so much yeah. out there. I mean, it's, you want to talk about oversaturation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is where you're wanting to go with this podcast, but like it, it blows my mind that, and maybe we've talked about this a little bit. Like I, I, sometimes I have a hard time remembering what we've talked about over Facebook chat and then on a podcast. So I apologize if we're regurgitating something, (laughs) but uh, isn't it amazing that, that all the big bands for the most part, all the big bands, especially in the Christian industry were big bands, 15, 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. Like, um, so where are those bands that are going to take their, their place when these people that are probably going to die in the next 10 years, um, <laughs> to where are these, ba- who's going to take their place? Right. Like, dust, in the wind, is, friend, dust in the wind. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm in the same, I'm always looking for new bands and to be honest, good ones that fit what I want to listen to are few and far between. Yeah. Right. I've heard junk bands or like bands that they're decent, but there's nothing new to it. It's the same thing as those bands that are 15 years old. It's well, and honestly, I think that like Red is kind of in that category because they never seem to want to stray far from what their fans, their current fan base is willing to buy. And there's no way that you can grow as a band if you're unwilling to allow some of your fans to go. 
I don't care for the music anymore. I'm going to go find something else so that new fans can come alongside and say, ooh, I really like this stuff right now. And then you have Nine Lashes that does the complete opposite. Right. (laughs) Well, the argument is, which I, like, man, this is, your your podcast is going to be something about, like, uh, uh, is uh, am I too old for change or something like that? Because, <laughs> because uh, I was listening to the Rolling Stone podcast, okay, and they were talking about the band or the magazine, uh, the the magazine. So, so just making sure, yeah, no. And they were talking about Weezer and how their last two, their new record coming out and their last record sounds like their old stuff. Mm-hmm. And and at what point do you go? All right, now they have become no different than a Weezer tribute band. Right. Like, like, can they, can, like, they continued, I think, up until two records ago, continued to reinvent themselves or try to push themselves, which is cool, but they were losing fans. They were losing popularity. So then they put out this last, not this record that's about to come out, but the last record, um, which uh, I think it's called Everything is Going to Be Fine or something like that. And um, and people loved it, mm-hmm. but it sounded just like their first three records, you know. And so, at what point do we allow people to? I don't know. That's a weird thing, right? And 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 then they started talking about bands that have reinvented themselves and made a living after they reach forty years old, right? And there's very few bands that have been able to do that. So. Well, you know, it's Jeez. interesting because we take. I think music and writing are the two areas where we are least likely to be okay with our favorite artists changing their style. You know, we we look at books. Let's look at um uh, let's let's take the Harry Potter series, JK Rowling, okay? Yeah. She wrote what, seven books that are hugely loved by millions of people, have been read billions of times and and all of that stuff. Movies made about you know, a whole an entire world at Disney World devoted to it. And then she yeah. tries to write a different style of book and it goes nowhere. Yeah. So right. she comes back to write, you know, Amazing Beasts and Where to Find Them or something along those lines. So and do, it's made into a movie. <laughs> do people right, but do people yep. you know, I mean, do people consider her a sellout because she came back to what she knows? So I mean you could look at Weezer the same way. A lot of musicians, they want to expand their art. And so they try something different, and the fans backlash, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, i got to pay bills this month, so I guess I need to put out a few songs that uh, somebody's actually going to want to buy that used to like me. You know, you don't yeah. see that with, with artists and their paintings. They can paint pretty much whatever they want, and people are all, oh, it's amazing, it's wonderful, whatever. Throw some you know, paint at the screen and be done with it, and people are all over it. But you see a guy you know, like Thomas Kincaid, he paints one thing, and granted, his style was pretty consistent all the way through, but even if he did decide to deviate, he wasn't going to get the same backlash that an artist like yourself would from fans purchasing their stuff. Yeah, if, if I came out with a strictly, by the way, good job on like, throwing a, a genuine artist in there, in, in Thomas Kincaid, oh. you, sounded great. you sound so intelligent there. <laughs> Uh, it's funny because when I talk about Kincaid around my mother-in-law, she yeah. fumes. She Why? Can, oh, she cannot stand Kincaid's paintings. 
He's not considered an artist in a lot of circles. It's very, very true. There's a lot of people that do not like his work, and they do not consider him the premier artist that most of the rest of the world considers him. That's interesting. No, I, look, so Green Day is coming out with their 12th album. They're recording their 12th album. And I think is that necessary? <laughs> I think we can all agree. Like, I love Green Day. Let me say there probably should be a D at the end of love because because I haven't really picked up anything in the last maybe five years. Right. Um, but they have one of my favorite punk band uh, albums of all time, probably a couple of them. And, and, but their, their formula is pretty, pretty consistent, pretty much the same as far as like every record. Now that being said, I haven't listened to maybe their last four records. Right. Um, uh, except for a song here or there. Um, then you take a band like Radiohead, who um, started off as an alt rock band, and now they're an atmospheric rock, like whatever band, whatever you call that. Right. And I love every, I love every bit of it. Yeah. So, so there, there are bands that can do, can evolve into something greater and ha- and can do it. The problem is whenever you, I think what we're talking about is like whenever, and I agree with you one hundred percent, like. Why is it that music is, is like one of those mediums where you, uh, there are some people that say, oh man, like let's say five albums from now, people are like, yeah, I like that new record by Ravenhill, but it's not, it's not anything like Soul. Right. And like, yeah. I wish they'd just get back to Soul. And, um, but maybe as an artist, I've grown and like it's, I'm not in that place where I wrote those songs, the same place. So now, I try to go back and recreate that because, uh, you know, the 10 people that really care about Ravenhill are wanting, wanting, um, wanting that type of record again. And so I go back there and I try to listen to it. I try to listen to the same songs and everything. And, and it ends up becoming a carbon copy of, of, uh, I'm trying, it's like a midlife crisis in my sense, (laughs) uh, in, in my situation where I'm like, I'm not. I'm not 25 anymore and right. I can't write those type of songs. You know, right. I don't know. No, there's uh, bride. Are you familiar with the band bride? Mm-hmm. 80s. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their later stuff was very much that way. They were kept trying to recreate snakes on the playground and just never got close. It's sad to me that a, that a band feels like they have to do a particular formula uh, yeah. In order to maintain their success, and it's and what's even sadder for me um, is that the the fans actually believe that the artist has to maintain that formula in order to be listenable. I'm perfectly fine if a band wants to make an album that I absolutely love, and then the next album they make, I kind of listen to it and go, eh, "Okay, it's not really for me." I'm not going to give up on that band. I'm going to wait till the third album comes out and I'm going to go back and listen to it. And if it's like the second one, I'll probably, eh, no thanks. If it's more like the first one, then I'll probably listen again. But I know, you know, for artists, musicians, especially, they want to maintain that consistency. But the only band I think that we would be familiar with that would be, that's big enough to be able to go all over the map would be Switchfoot. You know, those guys, their albums are never like, cookie cutter at all they experiment all the time and yet they still sell millions of records well, the thing about switchfoot is there there's a core to their sound that they never lose yeah they'll experiment right. all over the place but there's the center 
that they just they they, they have and, and and it's like the signature of their sound and they'll go wherever they can with it or want to with it but they never lose that and that's the thing that i think most people have latched onto for them yeah i've never that. yeah i've never spent any real time with john foreman but but the idea that he is probably one one of our best representations of like a, what a good songwriter is oh yeah and and somehow has a man has managed to um uh hardwick's asking john foreman's vocals like <laughs> is that a bad thing like huh? <laughs> i actually kind of like his voice but uh great, but yeah but but it might be the fa- uh, like that's an acquired taste too. Everyone's vocals are acquired taste. So right. um, but all that to say, like I I really do like think that he has somehow been able to hold on to his adolescence or uh, without and not being immature. But there's a way to hold on to that and maybe not grow up too fast. Yeah, in I think it's, like, his, it's his surfer mentality. I I agree, and, and um, that's, that's it, I don't think it's so much his voice that it's their sound. It's that surfer. Like they just add that, in a, I don't. They don't really sound like the Beach Boys, but that Beach Boy esque surfer sound to every genre they decide to dive off into. Well, you know, and we yeah. throw we throw a lot at the feet of John Foreman, and I think as a lyricist, he yeah, is one of the tops out there. But you've got to also give the rest of the band a ton of credit because they're the ones that have to recreate this sound consistently every time, and they pull it off. Oh, and they're they're amazing live too. I always thought John was yeah. like just the lead guitarist, right? And um, yeah. uh, forget the guy who's the other lead guitar, the other guitar player, but he's phenomenal. And they're then John Fontamala, uh, yeah, Drew is his name. What was it? Drew. Drew. Yes. Yeah. Drew. He's he was. Playing, <clears throat> I got to see him live. He was playing lead a lot. Yeah. John hardly had any solos. And then um, he's a, he's the performance like he's the Bono. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Interacting, but John's a, a monster guitar player in his own right. I mean, he is yeah. phenomenal. He won that uh, Gibson newest best guitar player in the world award at right. one time. But see, John's then, also when he's on stage, he's also doing everything he can to draw the audience in. I mean, yes. he's either walking through the audience or crowd surfing on the audience or all of that kind of stuff. It, it's he is doing whatever he can to make sure the audience is fully engaged. Which is supposed to be the lead singer's job. I mean, like, uh, to quote, um, this might be a little lewd, uh, to quote, um, uh, whatchamacallit, um, almost famous, Jason's lead character, uh, Jason Lee's character, where he's the lead singer, and he goes, you know what, I find whoever's in the crowd who's not getting off on the music, and I get that person off. Like, right. that's my job. Like, yeah. that's, like, he he seeks out to, like, it's not the 99 people that are getting into the show or 99% of the people. It's the 1% that aren't. And you're trying to, to, to make it, that's the battle. And, and so, so I, I, this one thing I envy of John is like how, how well, not only does he perform and how well of a songwriter he is, but he's kind of the perfect storm when it comes to like, how he engages with people and in even off the stage. Like, well, like here. I think we've all seen those things where he has done backstage, like acoustic concerts afterwards. My favorite John moment was when he was walking through the crowd and a fan offered him a piece of pizza mid chorus. <laughs> that's what uh, uh, Hardwick says. That's what Hardwick says. Eat it? 
Did he eat it? Yeah, did he eat it? That's the that's oh, the let's, big question. Let's... No, he didn't. No. Okay. <laughs> that's I, a vocal. That would way better. That'd Can you imagine? Way better I'm dying to move. Man, I've been at concerts. This is going to be weird. I've been at concerts where people would put like the crazy mushrooms on pizzas and eat them. So yeah. uh, maybe you just don't pick He's up a probably, random piece of pizza. That's and eat probably it. not a good yeah. idea. Yeah. Oh, I remember, you know, standing in line to see Switchfoot when they played San Francisco and uh, just. I mean, it's San Francisco, first of all, so that's that's got to say something. But when you're when we were waiting in line to get into the venue to see the show, the half of the line was half baked by the time they well, got it, in. Hey, it is the holiday right you now, know, isn't it? So it's well, that's that's today. But I was talking. This was a couple of years ago. And I mean, it right. isn't even like fully legal in California, but you can't go around town in San Francisco without smelling pot. Uh, in the in the air, we uh, gave tickets away to see Thrice when they were doing their farewell farewell tour, and uh, people came back to us and said, "Wow, there were a lot of people that were smoking weed inside that concert." <laughs> but that's the thing about Thrice is they were one of those bands that they would play at the Christian Same stuff, thing. but yeah. they they did a lot of stuff in the mainstream world. Um, yeah, you know, so I, I, they, I thought I knew them as a non Christian band before, or a, a mainstream band than I did as a Christian band, right? Right. So, I mean, Dustin was primarily the believer on that. And, of course, the thematics were Christian because that's the themes that he held to. That's the faith that he adhered to. You know, Matt McDonald, when I was talking to him a few weeks ago, he said the same thing. The classic crime is not a Christian band. Yeah, we play Christian festivals sometimes. Yeah, we were signed to Tooth and Nail and that people automatically labeled us as a, a Christian band. But he said, I write the music. I write the lyrics mostly. And yeah. I write them about the stuff that I'm going through. So there's going to be Christian themes because he said, I am a Christian. But not everybody in the band holds to the beliefs the same way that I do. So he's like, it's hard on them to be, to be in this Christian band when, um, you know, that's not necessarily what they believe. Yeah, that's kind of a hard thing that, that an idea, not only do you start a band with friends and then you go, and probably Classic Crime started it like Ravenhill did as a group of friends just wanting to play music together. And so you're not necessarily thinking, oh, is everyone Christian? Right. You just have fun, you know? And, and then, and then you start making music, then it starts getting popular. And then all of a sudden you hear, wait a second, not everyone's a Christian. What's up with that? Right. We're like, well, man, we didn't even think this is going to be anything more than this in our basement or our garage. Right. Why would, so, so I understand it completely. And, and at the same time, even, even in Ravenhill, you know, we're all Christians, but everyone's at a different stage of their Christian life right. and going through different things. It's kind of hard to think that we would be all, like, I'm probably the only one, and my brother are probably the only ones that, that believe the weird stuff I was telling you before we even start <laughs> recording this stuff. That's right. So, Y'all missed a really good conversation earlier, just so you know. It's not recorded. There's no record of it ever happening, but uh, it did. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, it's funny, but you mentioned that. And, I mean, we're kind of going all over the place, so it's it's totally cool. But I, Paul, I, I like Come back like and reel us in, Paul. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but uh, you look at bands um, like Striper, and Striper, when they initially started, they didn't even know that Christian music was like a separate genre. They wanted to be a band that made music. What? That's so good. Like I, I think that's so cool that yeah. like they didn't know. They didn't because know. That's how, I th I wish that's how it was. I wish it was like, oh man, this band just happens to be a Christian. That's cool. Yeah. 
Well, and so they got signed to a label that when they, uh, Michael, if you ever read Michael's book, it's really good. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's called Honestly, and it's very well written uh, and a lot of interesting stuff. But when they went in to sign their uh, contract with the record label that, that was signing them back in the beginning, they walked into the, uh, they walked into the lobby and the receptionist had this big cake on her desk. And Michael goes, oh, it's somebody's birthday. Whose birthday is it today? And they said, well, it's Anton LaVey's birthday. <laughs> and they had, <laughs> I kid you not, they had pictures of Anton LaVey and stuff like that going on uh, all throughout like the whole place. And Michael's like, uh, what, well, what, okay. what label was this? I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. But uh, yeah amazing but you know i mean that's the thing he's like it wasn't weird to us because we thought this is what all the labels were like we we had no experience in this and we just wanted to make music and they thought we were good enough to be able to put out there and 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 make decent music for for everyone to enjoy so i i think that I, i wish that more bands could do it that way but the problem is everything's become so segregated Oh, that, for sure. that, you know, if you are an artist and you claim anything to do with Christianity, main most mainstream labels are going to shove you onto the Christian side of their right. of their company. They're not going to give you what's necessary for you to succeed in a mainstream market because they're thinking, and honestly, for a lot of bands, there's more money to be made on the Christian side of music. Uh, I mean, you're preaching the choir. No, well, totally. <laughs> like, yeah, like I am. I like that's what we've been dealing with for a while now. But yeah, so. I mean, Hardwick asked, "Do you think it's better now than it was ten years ago?" Like the music industry, or yeah, the better Christian what? Music industry? Give us some more uh, specifics on that. Yeah. I think I think the music industry itself is more segregated just by genre. I mean, there's there's like you get shoved to Christian, and then you know if you're a folk band, you get shoved over in this folky area and and shoved off in a corner. The radio is so much more segregated now. Even top forty, like if you don't fit the pop sound, with it, with few exceptions, right? Because everybody can find their their Avent Brothers channel or their ACDC channel with Guns and Roses singing lead now, and uh, you know, <laughs> talk about bands that have become tribute bands. Yeah. Um, it, music is just so divided because it's so niche now. Everything's its own niche, and n- there's so little crossover unless you happen to have a friend that introduces you to somebody else. Right. Well, so Hardwick's question is the mainstream versus Christian divide, and and here's here's my take from a uh, Christian rock radio DJ perspective. Okay, the divide is better slightly. And here's what we see. There was a rock station here in town uh, when Broken FM started. And after we'd been on the air for about three years, uh, that rock station, they ended up flipping the format and going uh, mostly pop, like, um, you know, Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber, all of that kind of stuff. Right. We've, yeah, we've talked to some of the DJs since then, and... They were saying that for their playlist for the rock stuff, a lot of the bands that we were playing were beginning to migrate to the mainstream side. Skillet, Red, Thousand Foot Crutch, Under Oath, which we're going to get to them in just a little bit. 
you know that's one of those that that's the those are some of the bands thrice i think was being played on some mainstream radio so i mean these are the kinds of things to where you're seeing some of these christian bands that are crossing over without having to sell out you know you look at artists like amy grant and she made an album with the intention of it being distributed on mainstream top 40 radio that was her goal michael w smith did the same thing he made an album that was intended to have singles that were able to be distributed to the mainstream world. Is that wrong? Uh, some people really felt it was. Why did they feel that way? Because they felt like it should all be for Christians. But isn't our job as believers to go into the world and make disciples? How are we going to make disciples if we're only ministering to each other and not to the world outside? Yeah. Preach. <laughs> I mean, I, as far as like a, a mainstream, because that's you have a unique perspective. Like yes. you're in you're in a Christian radio station that you probably uh, talk to other radio stations, and and as, even that you're almost like an endangered species as far as like rock radio stations, Christian rock radio stations. They're dying every radio day. stations. Period. Yeah. So so and 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 I feel like. There are so many different little, uh, I mean, like people say, oh, well, what, what genre are you? I, I love just to say rock. Right. I love to say that. Uh, and they're like, oh, okay, so like what? Like, like what kind of rock? So then I have to go like, well, kind of soulful, bluesy rock, you know, like a white guy singing, uh, trying to sing like a black guy. I mean, like that's basically Southern rock, it. gospel rock. Those are kind of, yeah. you know, other adjectives you could use, but still yeah. then you get pigeonholed. Yeah. And, and, and so a rock, a rock, I mean, I, I, well, I should focus more on the mainstream and Christian divide. You know, it's, it's, it's really easy to, to say, no, it's not, it's not better. I, mean, I think I agree with you, Chris. Uh, I, I think, I think we're getting better. Like it, the hard part is, the good rising to the top. That's the hard part because it's so, and, and people stepping out of their little, little screens that they're constantly in front of and, and, and saying, Oh man, there's other music out there that I should experience. And we're not experiencing things. And now I sound like an old man, but, uh, uh, get off my lawn. (laughs) We have Spotify and, and, and Apple and stuff. And we have access to almost unlimited music. Yeah. And yet people are listening to less variety of music. Yeah. They find their channel and they stick to it and they right. don't try anything else. I'm yeah. I'm happy when people yeah. send me stuff, but unfortunately most of the bands that send me stuff is crap. Yeah, I would I would assume that. Man, I mean like I just think about all the bands that sorry if you're if any bands listen to this that that gave us their demo. And there's been some good ones, but the majority of them, 95% of them, like we listen to every single one of them, right? at least for a, a song or two or part of a song or two. And then we, yeah, we just don't. Well, that was one of the, uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that Matt McDonald and I talked about uh, when we did this interview, it came up about people listening, you know, that somebody asked the question in the chat room of, do you have advice for up and coming bands or, or whatever? And I know, you and I, Josh, have talked about this, and I think, Kirk, you and I have probably talked about this at length at some point. You know, 
Matt's idea, Matt's opinion was that if you bring your album to me and you want my opinion, I will give you my opinion. And you yeah, may not like I what my that. opinion is, but I will give it to you because you have asked me. And I feel that it's, uh, it's necessary for, you, for me to be honest with you in, uh, in what it is that I am going to tell you about this. And, you know, I feel the same way. You know, I tell people all the time, hey, you know what? It's just not the right style for Broken FM. It's not the right thing for us to be doing. So, you know, go make it somewhere else. Try somewhere else. I rarely tell them, you know what, your music's terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a way to do it that's not mean. And right. Condescending. Yes. You, you know, it's like, look, you're just not there yet, guys. Practice harder. Rewrite some parts. Uh, check your lyrics because, I'm sorry, junior high is junior high. Right. You know? Uh, that may be a little condescending, but you know you can be nice about it and uh, and not mean and help be constructive and help them reach the next level. So we have some bands to listen to in five more years. Yeah, exactly. Because right now right. we don't. <laughs> no, yeah, you're, uh, there's a way to spur someone on without crushing their spirit. Exactly. And, 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 and everybody doesn't have to be Simon Cowell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a new guest, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Houston, Jericho, Moses, Clifton. There you go. I'll be right back, guys. No problem. No problem. So, Kirk, let's, uh, while Josh is doing his thing, let's talk about I Anthem. I received okay. a, uh, I received a new song from Tyler, the lead singer of the band I Anthem, and uh, he actually sent it to me, and so I'd like Sweet. to play a little bit of it. Absolutely, because I liked that small clip I heard earlier, and I'm not familiar with this band, honestly. Yeah. So here, so. let's uh, let's check this out. This is I Anthem. Yeah. It is called Roses. Roses. All right, so there you go. I'm digging. Roses by I Anthem. Brand new music. Uh, I need to listen to the whole thing. I haven't heard the whole song yet, but uh, I was kind of grooving on that a little bit myself, so I'm I'm kind of stoked. I will definitely be checking out their older stuff. Yeah, I like their older stuff. There, it's it's a rock. You know, it's it's like a rock bass with a little bit of a pop sensibility. I guess some of their older stuff. Yeah. Um, I can uh, let me see if I can dig up an an album for you, Kirk, to send to you. Uh, yeah, oh, I'm trying to find something to write it down on, <laughs> <laughs> and everything's like I can't write on that. I can't write on that. Yeah, Chris <laughs> in the chat room says that uh, he's never heard of them, but wants to check it out now. So it's definitely yeah, a band. Tyler, he lived in uh, the Carolinas, helped start a radio station back there, um, Radio Free something. Disney. Uh, no, something else. Radio Free Babylon? No, it was a different name. That's a website. Yeah, it's, they, uh, they, did, uh, they, they got busy on that, and then he kind of needed a change of scenery. So he drove across country and moved up to Seattle, where he lives now. Uh, and wow. when he came through, he actually stayed the night at my house. We gave him a bed and a place to place to sleep and some breakfast in the morning. And then he went to Broken FM with me and hung out at the studio for a little while before he had to peel off and go do his thing. So 
That was I Anthem, the song Roses, and uh, now suddenly my dog has decided he wants to be part of the podcast. Say hi to Toby, everybody. Hi, Toby. Where's McKeon at? Yeah, exactly. Hey, don't lick my microphone. I have to put my face on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Kids and dogs, am I right? Oh, Jeez. man. I tell you, <laughs> normally I don't let him in the office when I'm recording because of this kind of stuff, but he's just too cute. Okay, Josh. <laughs> I want to, one of the, I mean, we love having you on, so I don't want you to think it was just for this, uh, for this story. You, uh, you're a fantastic guest, but one of the things that I did want to talk about tonight is you were actually at the show at Rocket Town where under oath, supposedly, uh, cursed out security and told everybody to disobey the no crowd surfing rules. So I was. (laughs) <laughs> I like in, wouldn't it be funny that I talk nonstop the rest of the podcast, but then you ask me questions, I'd go, "Yep, yep, I was, I was there, <laughs> I was." Well, I thanks it. for tuning in, everyone. I'm Paul Gibson. You're Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, so tell me your side of the story. I mean, what did you what did you see, and kind of what was the feeling? Um, do you want me to just talk about the controversy? Or you want me to talk about the whole night? Well, talk about the whole night. I mean, under oath, getting back together, it's kind of a big deal. They were here in yeah. San Francisco just a, a week or so before they played Rocket Town. And I had some friends mm-hmm. who went and saw the show and said it was phenomenal and that it was awesome seeing under oath back together. But I mean, there's some specific things about the controversy I want to get into. But tell me about the night as a whole. Well, I didn't find out I was going to it until like two hours before the show. That's so... a nice surprise. Yeah, yeah, because actually, if you, uh, I started a new podcast with uh, Brittany Mullins and and uh, the the wife of of uh, uh, Maddie Mullins from Memphis Mayfire, and we actually talk on our sep- second episode the day before about how like I was so jealous that they were going and everything, and that uh, we were talking about that, and I was like, man, I should have. I should have gotten tickets to that. <laughs> that was silly, you know, because like I loved their only chasing safety and to, uh, to find the great line. But uh, I found out from my drummer like hours before that he had an extra ticket and he was like, first person that messages me gets it. And I just, uh, long story short, I found out I was going. I missed the first band because there were just so many friends there. We all grew up on that band. Right. And the fact that they were back was something like that brought everyone out and and nashville's a cool place it'd be way cooler if all all of us friends made time for each other (laughs) but we're all in bands or in the music industry and we're gone a lot and stuff like that but it's great it took an under oath concert to see some people that i haven't seen in two years uh that live 30 minutes down the road well now stop right there for one second because i want to let people know if you are interested in this podcast that josh is talking about it's called beneath the skin and um i gotta say i am a huge fan of Brittany mullins uh she is doing some amazing work for people that are either involved in drugs or girls especially but guys too that are into cutting, self-harm, all of this kind of stuff. You know, we'll do a big PSA for this. Um, BeneathTheSkinOnline.org is where you need to go. They've got a mentor-mentee program currently only available in Arizona and Tennessee. Um, But it's a fantastic organization, and I encourage everyone to put us on pause and go check out this podcast, Beneath the Skin 
Online.org is where you're going to go and find all that information. So uh, see you guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> I love Maddie it's too. The podcast, yeah. it, but but Brittany's work and her heart is fantastic. And actually, Josh, you did an interview with Brittany a little over a year ago, I think, yeah. when she just gotten started in all of this stuff. And so go get the Young Blood Music Company's podcast and check out that episode with Brittany Mullins. It'll turn you on to this other uh, organization. And I think they're doing a lot of great work for a lot of great people. And she's got an inside view that um, most people don't have because her husband is in the business and he's blowing it up. Right. And 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 the two podcasts, if you want to listen to Beneath the Skin podcast, it's on iTunes or anywhere you got this podcast. Um, go, go listen to it because it, her and her friend Kat, and I'm just kind of like, the dummy and the whole the the two episodes is like it's wait hold foil. on a second this you're, is what you're doing this is awesome you're, you know so I'm, I'm like the straight man trying to figure out whatever but uh um it's a really cool thing and that's why i partnered with her is because i think she is doing something that if I, even even though i had a pretty good childhood and 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 even in my teenage years i didn't get too crazy mm-hmm. like i could see that if i would have had a negative influence on me uh, how I could have went, my life could have went a complete different way. Right. And this is all about taking a subculture of the rock scene that tends to glorify the darkness and put more light in it, yeah. put more positivity and put more ways for kids to be heard and to get out of routines that hurt themselves or hurt others. So it's a really cool organization. That's why I did the podcast, uh, start doing the podcast with her. So it's, it's definitely um, worth it. Yeah. And, and, we should set something up to where you you talk to her and and Cat on on this this podcast too yeah. maybe or or at least her oh I'd love and, to uh, because I I literally just texted her the other day she's on the road with Memphis for another couple of days but but uh but I literally just texted her the other day and it's like hey I have some friends that have podcasts that I think it'd be cool to like you know boost the numbers and and cr- cross pollinate so so we actually we interviewed her for uh, a show that Broken FM produces called Activate and it goes out to like four or five other radio stations and her episode's actually going to play on our station this Sunday and then it'll play uh, on a few other stations where she talks about you know where she met Jesus and and how he impacted her life and then begins to kind of lay out the uh, the beginnings of beneath the skin so I got to I gotta ask, uh, were you producing the show yeah. like while uh, while she was doing the interview? Yeah, yeah, I was with her while she was doing that interview. You were in the car with her. Yes. Oh, we we were on our way to this Underrow show, bringing oh, it full circle. That's funny. Yeah. So so afterwards, because uh, who's the guy that interviewed her? Jesse. Yeah, like his name sounded familiar. His full name. And I go, I don't know why I've heard of that name and everything. And then she started doing the, the interview. And then at the end of it, you asked her, I guess it was you or someone had asked about doing the podcast with me. And I go, how in the world? Yeah. That's weird. You know? And so like, that's when we started talking. Yeah, that was me. Stuff. That was me. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So yeah. Um, All right. Side note. So I was, yeah. That was just a funny thing. And I meant to tell you that, but then that's my awesome. phone died. Yep. Okay, so under oath, we went we went to this show. It was great. They did. You're only chasing safety from front to back. Then they took like a ten minute break, and then they started uh, "Define the Great Line" and some other songs. And so, so the show was phenomenal. Um, 
realize that I'm older because I put earplugs in uh, just because that's what happens when you get older. Um, I didn't bring them myself, but but uh, uh, our drummer, you're showing me some. Are those uh, are those uh, what you call it? Edimotics. Tweaked, tweaked audio. No, no. These sadly, <laughs> these are not. These are uh, edemotic research, but they are the best earplug that you can buy for going to concerts because you can still they hear have the little thing and the filter in them, right? Yep, you can still hear everything clearly. It just deadens the noise by a few decibels, so it's not as piercing. Anytime wow. I go to a show, these are in my ears. So, what are they called? Edemotic Research High Fidelity. You can get them on Amazon, literally for ten bucks. And type in the Rock in a Hard Place uh, coupon yeah. to get... No, no, no coupon there, unfortunately. <laughs> so, anyhow. No, but, no so, so yeah, so I even said to, like, like Abishai, the drummer for w- Wolves at the Gate, he's a good friend of mine, he was there, and I was like, dude, I'm old, I'm putting these earplugs in. He goes, no, I got them too, don't worry. So, I mean, uh, but it was cool. It was a great show. We get towards the end of the show, okay? And... Let me say, like, I was more towards the sound booth and back. Like, yeah. I, I'm not, I didn't get into the pit or anything like that. Uh, it's kind of weird when you're in your 30s and you're uh, like, and you see, I mean, do I do, I do this? Do I don't do this? Right. Yeah. And, and so I decided to try to look cool. And so, um, all that to say about, I think they said they had three songs left. And Spencer said something along the lines of, um spencer being the lead singer uh said something along the lines of uh all you guys are my friends i think it's bs that you guys paid good money for this show and um and i think he literally said the two letters bs at first like there was no cussing okay um and i'm going to try to do this to best my my knowledge like um and then he said you guys pay good money. There's like 1,200 of you here, and all you guys are my friends except for this one dude who's throwing my friends out. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, and then and then he goes, so let's let's make these guys uh, uh, earn their paycheck. And so they played one more song, and then they said, hey, we got two more songs or one more song. Let's see how many people we can get on stage because I think it's, and then they start start cussing, right? Uh, the people out and saying like, "Let's see them," because this is BS again. All this other stuff. Now, I wouldn't say it was like a, like whenever I say he started cussing, <laughs> like like I'm not trying to sound. It didn't hurt my feelings. I'm right, a grown man. But uh, um, but all that to say, they uh, they basically dared everyone to get on stage and make uh, and make it the biggest. Uh, they said they're never going to play there again. They said they were. They they said it was. It's a rock show and a, a metal show, and they should be able to to uh, stage dive and and get rowdy and all that stuff. Which you know I agree with them in that aspect. There's other things, but right. um, but people getting on stage and all that stuff. And then we uh, and then they ended up doing their two songs. They basically, I think, I I. I don't want to put words in certain people's mouths, but I want to say it was Aaron that goes, let's see how many people we can get up here and how much noise we can make before they find their way to the breaker. Yeah. And, and so they end up playing the two songs 
and finishing, there were a ton of people on stage. Yeah. This tells you this tells you the conflict. I grew up in punk rock. This tells you the conflict that I that I have as an adult and as a former like kid that loved breaking rules. Yeah. Um I sat there with my drummer and the rest of my band just sitting there going, This is so BA. Like I literally was like, this is so awesome. Right. Like, but then I go, but that stage collapsed, we're all in big trouble. Well, like there's there's aspects of this. Look, I I get that passions are high. Uh, you know, under oaths getting back on the road. They've been doing it for a little while. They're they're well into what they've got, you know, going on. They're they're back to form essentially by this point. Right. And so I think that there was a lot of a lot of passion running, a lot of uh adrenaline that was flowing at that particular moment. I I I just think they had to know the rules going into the show that yep. it was something that wasn't going to be allowed. And at that point, they could have made whatever venue changes they needed to 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 allow the rules. But for them to be upset with security for doing their job, that's where I have a problem with it. I mean, so, those guys don't make enough money to catch the amount of crap that they were catching from both the band and the fans. And that, if I were that security guard, I would never want to listen or pay for another under oath thing ever. Nice. No problem. I mean, Kirk, do you disagree with that? I mean, no, I don't. I think I, I've been to Rocket Town. It's a nice venue. Um, I don't agree. I don't. I see both sides of it, but at the same time, you know, like you said, they knew what they were getting into. They knew the venue. They knew the rules. Right. It is what it is. Yeah. Um. At the, at the same time, I, I I see the band's point of view of, hey, this is a rock show. We want to have fun. Let the guys have fun. And the venue's like, yeah, but we're liable if somebody gets hurt. That's exactly you know, right. And I, I, I see it all. Um. I think both sides probably could have handled it a little better. Okay, so so uh, I'm sorry, Kirk. If but I wasn't the there, half what you're saying, um, but but I agree with you, Chris. Like, like I 100% think that. Well, number one, they've played Rocket Town before. Right. They knew the rules. I've played Rocket Town before, and they go through the rules. They say, "Hey, no cussing from the stage." Blah blah blah. This, that, and the other. Like they tell you. Because a they're a Christian venue, right. even though like they let non-Christian bands play, they're a Christian venue. So, and I ran Christian venues before, like right. in Illinois. So I would like I would be that guy too. Number two, yeah, I understand insurance and I understand all that, but the rules, the rules are rules for a reason, and the rules are there. You, those rules were there before Under Oath played and booked the show, and those rules will remain there. And and Under Oath should have made a should have just plainly done a different venue that's right. not the hill you should die on that's not the that's not the i understand how kind of cool it was and at the time even i was sitting there going holy crap this is awesome you know <laughs> but but uh but in hindsight thinking about it it was kind of and i don't know how much you blame passion i don't know how much you blame the moment you know uh sometimes we do stupid things in the moment and then back and then we look back and we go crap that 
probably shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you know? that really like, wasn't a good idea. Right. I mean, there was there have been times like even on stage on a much smaller scale, like I'll have issues with the guitar or something like that, and I'll just rip uh, like rip it off, and I end up like either breaking the cable or breaking the like out of frustration. Right. I, or there was a time that I was sorry for all those that don't want to hear this, like where I lost my cool on stage uh, because the sound guy wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And uh, I said a curse word and, and it wasn't the right thing to do, but man, in the time and the frustration, sometimes that feels like the only way (laughs) it doesn't help that there was a big like TV screen on me showing it to thousands of people while I was doing it. But, um, but, (laughs) and that's a whole nother story, but all that to say, I'm not perfect. And the guys in under oath, they, I know it doesn't seem uh, like you won't, most people and their fans won't believe this, but they're not perfect either. Right. Like they, they, they do things and, and I, I bet you, I bet you, how many people are on that stage? Seven people? Is it seven guys on that stage? Something like that. Something like that. Like they probably all, all of them didn't necessarily in hindsight go, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, we should have definitely done that. Maybe right. not. I don't know. Right. So, well, and not all of them are professing Christians either. I mean, and that's right. something that a lot of people don't necessarily know. I don't know if Spencer Chamberlain was ever a professing Christian. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that people have to, you know, when you when you pigeonhole a band as a Christian band and then get upset yeah. when the non-Christian members do things, uh, that becomes an issue. You know, 12 Stones, do you know who the 12 Stones are? I've heard of them. Okay, so 12 Stones was a Christian band. That's what they called themselves, okay? And oh, then yeah. a few years ago, they released an album. It was one of their best albums ever, honestly. I feel like it was a fantastic album. And the lead singer started abusing alcohol. And he okay. was coming out on stage, and he'd have multiple beers during his performance, and start saying things and doing things from the stage that were questionable in a lot of people's. And it got to the point where he was becoming such a problem that we actually got called by their uh, label, and they asked us to pull their music off our station because the lead singer was not acting anywhere near what people would associate with Christian. Wow. So now, Kirk, you what? saw Twelve Stones. Was it you that told me you saw Twelve Stones? No, I never saw Twelve Stones. Okay. Um, I I wondered what was going on happening to them. Yeah. But, and 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 just I don't see how any band gets on stage drunk and performs. <laughs> it doesn't matter I've if seen, you're a Christian seen, or not. I've seen so many bands do it. How do you play well? I mean, to be honest, that's the only way you play well. Well, the the hope is that everyone else in the (laughs) the hope is that everyone else in the audience is either stoned or drunk, and then it doesn't matter. People think it's a great show. I did see ZZ Top that way, where everybody except me was pretty much stoned or drunk, and so was the band. So, (laughs) there's a a great article on. I'm I'm trying to look it up real quick, but uh, there is a great article. I believe I was um, Aaron Lunsford. Um, who Aaron Lunsford used to play for what band? Um, well, give me one second. I'm sorry. No problem. Uh, he played drums for As Cities Burn. Okay. 
Okay, and he wrote this article, and I'm going to post it. It's it's at AaronLunsford.com, and and it is so good. And I haven't even finished it. Like whenever you said you want to talk about this, this was a thing that I wanted to read, and I didn't get a chance because I was putting my kids to sleep. <laughs> you know, trying, trying to be a good dad. Yeah. Um, but. All that to say, like, like the, it was it, the name of the blog uh, or the the thing he shared was uh, Rocket Town. We're only chasing safety, which is like such a good good name for, well played. for this blog. Yeah, um, and he basically like just the first half. So I don't know where he goes from, but I think he kind of agrees with us in the sense that like you know it's cool. I mean, I understand like it's, it's punk rock or rock and roll or whatever a metal to like, just go, uh, how, I don't know, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall and like try to like mess things up, you know, like, but, but it's also not cool to, to try to buck the system. That's not, trying to hurt anyone and not trying to take advantage of anyone rocket town is not trying to tell people not to have fun they're just saying please don't crowd surf i mean there's a lot of other things that you can do at a concert that are a lot of fun just leave crowd surfing off the list i I mean that's the part to me you know you you it's like as a as a dad i have rules for my kids and the only reason i have those rules is because i want my kids to be able to have the maximum amount of fun and enjoy life, but I want them to be safe doing it. And when they don't follow those rules, people get hurt. Yeah, this this episode should be called Three Dads. Yes, there you go. <laughs> My three dads. Yes. No, um, no, I agree with you. Like, and and you know, there are probably twenty somethings that go at this dude. This that that's bs I, I, I like it's a punk rock show blah 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 right and this and that and i was like yeah but that's i mean under it's not like they were a a band that that was the only place they could get to to host the show right they could have played that's it's nashville tennessee yeah like we have you can't throw a rock without hitting an acoustic guitar or or a venue well like, i was gonna that, say you throw a rock one way, you hit a Starbucks. You throw a rock another way, you hit a church. You throw a third rock a different direction, you hit a venue. Yeah, you hit a fourth way, you hit a country musician. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 crazy, and so so like, man, I mean, like it was a great show, and and we're talking about it right now because of of what they did, you know, right. and we're not the only ones to talk about it, and and that blog that I just mentioned that was. Uh, it was written about it and probably read by thousands yeah. and, and I'm sure there are other podcasts that are talking about it and all that to say, like, sometimes I wonder if they do that type of stuff for the extra publicity. Well, like, that's, isn't I it? I wish, well, go ahead. Don't they say that there's no such thing as bad publicity? Yeah. Yeah. I would love, I said from a long time ago, I was like, man, I wish it was a bigger band that would pick a fight with Raven Hill so we wouldn't have to be their villain. Mm-hmm. But man, we would get so popular because of that. Like, yeah, what exactly. if you two hated our band, like, just didn't like our faces? And, s- and we were like, screw you guys. We love your faces. You're idiots. <laughs> exactly. And, and then, then we just started this rivalry, and they're like, some, some unknown band and you two are starting a fight, and eventually we're selling a lot more records yeah. because we picked fight. Oh, because they picked a fight with us, you know? And 
And and I always jo- I, I joke around, but like, yeah, we would even if we were the villain in that situation, we'd still sell more records. Yes. I mean, like, mm-hmm. exactly. So I don't know. And like, so uh, I, and I, here's a little tidbit to like, you know, they they got mad at the guy that was kicking people out for crowd surfing, the security guy. And I even went to a baby shower the other day that had like members of like Family Force Five and and uh, other bands there and uh, on Saturday night. And one of them was side stage, not in the guys in Family Force Five, but another another guy, and had video of like guys, the security guys, grabbing people that were trying to get on stage and like throwing them to the side and everything. But here's one thing I haven't seen is that. I haven't seen anyone that was, I didn't see anyone get thrown out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, uh, I could be wrong. And obviously there were 1200 people there right. and I don't have eyes everywhere. But as far as I know, I haven't heard that anyone got actually throw, thrown out and they got pushed to the side, but I don't think anyone got thrown out. Yeah. I mean, like I could be wrong, but hmm. well, it's a, it's, it's a silly thing to, to make a big deal about. And if you're under oath. Ultimately, I think that uh, I'm I'm not angry with under oath. I feel like they did not handle the situation properly properly and that they could have created a larger issue than was necessary. You know, I mean, if it were me up in the band, I would hope that I would say, hey, guys, no crowd surfing. I'm sorry. There's lots of other ways to have fun. Dance, you know, mosh, do whatever you want to do. Just, you know, keep it, keep your feet on the floor. I don't, I don't think that's too big of a deal to, to ask, I, you know, and maybe I'm just a, a simple rule follower when it comes to that, but I, we're, we're sheep, man, we're sheep, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Well, I think Captain Kirk would just like kick everyone to the side and yeah, <laughs> no, unfortunately I, I would hang back, you know, and, and, and chill out next to the soundboard and talk to Steve Taylor. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's what I did at the Five Iron Frenzy concert. Oh, is that right? <laughs> at their at their farewell concert when they came through years ago, uh, as Reese Roper ripped the crotch out of his pants doing breakdance moves. Heck yeah! <laughs> I was talking to Steve Taylor as he as he was talking to Masaki next to the at the soundboard. Nice. Can I ask one question real quick? Yeah. I, you're probably wanting to wrap it up because we've been talking a long time. But what was everyone's? Uh, have you? And then if you have. What was the first show you ever staged up to? I haven't. Never. I I, I saw too many episodes, uh, things about Iggy Pop hitting the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, I've never staged up. Let me was... tell you something. You got to take risks in life, guys. Uh, come on. I'm too We're old. Dead. I take a We're risk dead. just going to those shows that I'm not going to come home <laughs> with my leg broken or something from some other idiot who's stage diving. <laughs> I went to uh, uh, I went to a. Uh, my goodness, I was in my 20s. I went to a DC Talk uh, Michael W. Smith concert. DC Talk opened for Michael W. Smith. and um, oh, wow, That's a lineup. Yeah. So when, when wow. DC Talk was on the stage, we our tickets were actually for seats, but they weren't checking tickets for the floor. So right. we snuck onto the floor and we're like hanging out in the pit. And we were literally five feet from the stage. And I had my little sister with me. And people, people are crowd surfing, and my sister is standing right in front of me, and I'm yeah. passing people over her head to keep, for, you know, her from getting fallen on or hurt or whatever. Some people are getting kicked in the face as people are are surfing over the top and everything, and uh, it was it was so insane 
And at that point, I decided, you know, and, and, and I mean, there's a few other things. The, being on the floor that close to the stage, it reeks. I mean, there is sweat and body odor and bad breath and pretty much anything that you can imagine. You have no personal space. It does not exist down there in that section. And when the concert was over and we turned around to leave, I'm looking at the floor. There were people's glasses that were broken and stepped on. There were all kinds of food wrappers and drink cups. and I mean, it was a mess. And it wasn't long after that I decided, you know, I'm going to become that old fart that just sits in the chairs on the side and just enjoys the show for what it is and let the kids go have fun and dance their faces off. You know what you just sounded like, Chris? Tell me. Old man. Like a guy that has never staged over before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, You would be right. right. First rock show I ever went to was Audio Adrenaline, Johnny Q Public, and Bleach. Oh, wow. Oh, no way. That's awesome. During the Bloom Tour. It was Bloom Tour. That's so cool. And... Um, it was funny because it we were it was in like one of the like the uh, convention halls of, of a hotel, you know, and um, there were people protesting outside. <laughs> and <laughs> what were they protesting? They were going to rock to to listen to rock music, and they said we we're all going to hell if we walk through the doors and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's it's a hall, right? And, and there were two ticket prices, so there was a higher ticket price to be closer to the stage, and all they had was a rope strung up and somebody standing there to check tickets two songs in nobody cared yeah and we're all at the front of the stage but uh yeah that was Uh, i did i I remember that um venue well my my first time ever stage diving was to a band called all-star united oh i remember all-star united yeah and they, they they it was at cornerstone festival i think it was 1998 so I was just a young kid, and they they started playing as a sound uh, as a encore uh, that Blur song, song two, like why not na 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 woohoo that song. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And and I go, holy crap! I love this song, <laughs> and and I look to David Curtis, and I go, I think I'm going to get on stage and stage dive. So my whole that whole song. Two minute song, guys. Yeah. So I'm run, I'm fighting time. I'm like, I gotta do this. This is a song because if I can time it perfectly, it's all about looking cool. Right. If I can time it, if I can time it perfectly in the one of the woohoos and jump off, that'd be awesome if I hit right whenever all that's to say. I succeeded. The last time they uh did they hit, I jumped. And it was like a very memorable moment. Maybe, maybe a thousand people there. It's yeah. like one of the smaller stages at Cornerstone. And and I felt alive, guys. I felt alive, and I never wooed. And they <laughs> caught you. Yeah, they caught me. Like the crowd I mean, caught you. They didn't part and let you hit the ground. No, no, no. I was I was probably in my mid-teens and weighed 110, 50, yeah. uh, 120 pounds. So See, you was, don't want this diving on you from a stage. <laughs> Man, if you are if you're at like what? Like you're at a skillet show, you can do it. Well, the last skillet show I went long. to, I worked security and I'm too uh, long. Yeah. I, I worked security, so I was standing between the metal barricade and the stage yeah. making people get down. So that was that was my job. I was the security guy that would have gotten yelled at by uh by Spencer. 
I've seen tall people stage dive and their feet are still touching the ground while people are holding them up. It just (laughs) doesn't work well. Hey, real quick, guys. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this and and there's still a slight chance it won't happen. But right now, like I am in talks with a venue in Nashville to doing a bleach reunion show. Nice. Bleach reunion show. Yeah, bleach. So and Ravenhill's playing it and there's some other really cool bands that are some are coming out of retirement, and some are some just put out a record. So, hey, if I'll you want to see Ravenhill. I have seen Bleach three times, and I'm not a fan. Oh yeah, I've seen them live. They're great live. They're fine live. They're a, but I've seen them three times because they're always playing with somebody else. I want to see. What if I? What if Davy's head just popped up right here? <laughs> I mean, like, sorry, man. I right. just just not a fan. Hey, if you guys want to take up a collection and fly me out there, I'd go. Hey, come on, Chris. You make that you make that money. Oh yeah, pod- yeah. My whole podcast money. My my fourteen dollars an hour at my day job, you know. Um <laughs> uh, I don't know, you can probably get a good I don't know why my voice got really so high whenever should I, I should I try that you could probably get a a really good that sound like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Should I try to get oh, a uh, Southwest oh. Airlines? Oh Pluto. Oh boy. A phone call. <laughs> Yeah, I, I saw Bleach co-headline with Seven Day Jesus. Yeah, what was the big song? I'm thinking Cosmos Express and Seven uh, Day no, you, uh, the Butterfly song. But the, they had a, the hunger. Their I love their India. Come more. my lady, come come my lady. That song? <laughs> no, 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 not that song. <laughs> what a garbage song. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Well, I think uh, it's a that pop song, Butterfly. I think um, it's about time to wrap this madness up. It is. It is. We've been uh, we've been going at it for an hour and fifteen minutes record wise. So well, uh, it, it is nine forty our time yeah, just about. <laughs> it's definitely a good yeah, show. That, that show that show I'm talking about though will probably be on a Saturday in June or July. So okay. if you're in the Nashville Sweet. area, I would love to be able to make it to that. Awesome. Yeah. Good deal. You'll definitely love it. Well, uh, hey, get Dime Store Profits back together too. Who? Dime Store Profits. Yeah, I don't never I don't heard of that. I've heard of him. I, I'm that's, not friends with that's them. His, so I'm not that's his, I really don't care about the band you just mentioned, Face. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Their, their guitar, the Dime Store's guitar player produced all the Five Iron Frenzy albums. Well, then he went up a notch in my book. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right, guys. Kirk, thanks for hanging out tonight. I appreciate it so much. Yep. I know it was short notice, but uh, I really appreciate you being here. No problem. Awesome. It was fun. Josh, as always, lots of fun, and uh, you and I need to come yeah. up with a show to do together, dude. I, I think we could make millions doing podcasting, just you and me. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'd just be you. You would finally be able to afford a plane ticket to come to Nashville. That's right. I don't. You guys could call it bad Christian. Uh, that's yeah. already taken. <laughs> bad, batter, batter, batter Christian. Yes. Worse, Christian. worse Christian. <laughs> the worst Christian podcast. I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> oh, and it's just man. us giving a middle finger to the Emory CD. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that'd be the, that'd I be like the, Emory and I like bad Christian podcasts, though, so no, no worries. But yeah, I'm Paul Gibson. Yeah, I'm Chris Cooner. <laughs> we'll see you next I'm week. I'm Steve Jobs. That's right. <laughs> see you next week, guys. <laughs>